All right. So let's go ahead and um, get started here. Um, my name is Rich Procida. I'm the founder of the Truth and Democracy Coalition. And uh, what I want to do now, we're going to have a presentation by Professor Joseph Dowd on philosophical therapy for political activist. And um, but first, I want to tell you a little bit about the Truth and Democracy Coalition and then tell you about some of our upcoming events. So the Truth and Democracy Coalition was formed to build a pro-democracy movement in America. We educate the public about disinformation, teach um, people to be critical of the propaganda they consume, and provide critical analysis of current events and social issues. We produce media, educational materials, hold seminars and meetings, work with other organizations, organize events and activity, all geared toward building a pro-democracy movement in America. And the coalition seeks to build communities of people of different faiths and ideologies to defend and promote democracy locally, nationally, and globally. We're gonna have our first January 6th Remembrance Event Planning Committee meeting. We put an annual event on here in Whittier, California, in which we raise awareness about what happened on Jan 6, 2021, so that we can keep that in the forefront of people's minds. So we're planning our annual event to remember the attempted coup and the insurrection against the United States Congress. And it's important to remember what happened and to not let the actions of then President Donald Trump and his extremist followers um, overthrow our government and install Donald Trump as dictator for life. So in order to, re to resist authoritarianism, we must keep the events of January 6, 2021 at the forefront of people's minds as we head into the 2024 elections with Donald Trump still the front runner for the Republican nomination, even now. So we're organizing an event in Whittier. We're going to help people organize events in their hometown. So join us by registering at tinyurl.com slash Jan 6th, 2024. My name, Richard Procida. I'm an author, attorney. I, I wrote a book on um, global perspectives on social issues about pornography. I'm the leader of the Truth and Democracy Coalition. I'm going to lead a discussion about women, relationships, politics, and life. And we do this on a monthly basis. In our, and this will be our third nonpartisan red pill men's group. And women are welcome to attend too, and they do attend. And at this meeting, we're going to begin our book study of The Rational Male by Rolo Tomasi. And we're beginning with the first section of the book, The Basics. So to register for that, go to tinyurl.com slash redpillmen. And then um, check out our discussion about what's wrong with men or part one of that discussion, at least. I'm going to be putting out the whole thing and it's entirely the whole hour, hour and a half. But you can check out the first part of that presentation at our YouTube page. And you can get that at youtube.com slash at Truth and Democracy Coalition. And when you go there, remember to like, share, and subscribe to our page. So today we have um, Professor Joseph Dowd, a philosophy instructor at California State University, San Bernardino. And he's gonna teach us logic-based therapy and address the need for progressives to reclaim self-improvement. Uh, Dr. Dowd 
is licensed by the National Philosophical Counseling Association as a philosophical consultant. He's a professor of philosophy um, at Cal State University, San Bernardino. And as a philosophical consultant, what that is, is basically a therapist who uses philosophical reasoning to address emotional problems. And in this presentation, he's going to explain, explain logic-based therapy and how you can use it in your own life. Um, so it's this LBT, logic-based therapy, is especially useful for people uh, who are involved in politics. It helps to diffuse anger, defensiveness, and other emotions that can cause the political dialogue to degenerate into a shouting match. And with its focus, he's also focused on Asian philosophy, and he's concerned that many left-wing intellectuals have turned against the self-help and wellness industries. So left-wing intellectuals, they, they make good points when they criticize self-help and awareness and the prosperity gospel and so forth. However, by abandoning self-help and wellness, the left creates a void that's being filled by right-wing intellectuals like Jordan Peterson. And a lot of what we're doing here is to sort of fill those voids so that people don't turn to authoritarianism and don't turn to conservative intellectuals if we leave this um opening a void this void what um professor dow calls it and maybe you can talk a little more about that but i'd like to introduce professor joseph dow welcome joseph hi thanks for the introduction rich in this case one philosophy that the person might use is stoicism um, because remember they were demanding perfection they thought well if i'm not perfect then i must be worthless and one way to counteract demanding perfection is um, an ancient, <clears throat> an ancient Greek and Roman philosophy called Stoicism. Stoicism focuses on separating what you can control from what you can't, and then the idea is to only worry about or only focus on the things you can control. So, for example, if you're playing a game, don't worry about whether you'll win. Just worry about what you can control, which is the effort that you put in. And as long as you put in, as long as you do your best, as long as you put in the effort, you know, you should feel good about yourself. Okay. So that's the idea behind stoicism. Focus only on the things you can control and don't worry about everything else. Uh, this can help you stop demanding that everything be perfect. Okay. Um, now, some possible plans to put this into action is to read about stoicism. Stoicism, actually, stoicism has become kind of trendy in recent years. Um, like there are popular books about stoicism, like uh, self-help books uh, about stoicism. Uh, another way is obviously to practice separating what you can control from what you can't. So in your mind, right? Uh, Think about okay what what are the things that i actually can control and what are the things i can't uh, another uh thing you could do is a fear setting exercise um that's where you write kind of make a list like let's say you're trying to make a decision about whether to do something and you're a little nervous you aren't sure whether you want to do it 
Well, make a list of if I do this, what are all the bad things that might happen? Um, and if I don't do this, <laughs> what are all the bad things that might happen? Right? And then, then you look at the lists and you, and based on that, you can figure out, you know, um, like what might go wrong and what, what is within your control, what you might be able to do if things go wrong. And that can help you be in a better position to make a decision. Okay. Um, now, I should note that you can sometimes skip steps two and four. Okay. So, um, actually, let me go back for just a moment. Um, so, sometimes you don't actually have to identify a fallacy um, or uh, identify a guiding virtue. Um, sometimes it'll work perfectly fine without doing that. So here's an example. Um, and this is actually an example from, from a former client of mine. Um, this client often beat himself up because of bad things that he'd done in the past. He would, he would often guilt trip himself. Um, you know, and even, even though it had been years since he'd done those things, he would still beat himself up. Right. And when I talked to him, it be, uh, he basically said that he beat himself up because he, he almost felt like he deserved to beat himself up. He deserved to suffer because of those things he'd done. Um, and so in this case, the object of his guilt was that he did bad things. And the reaction was thinking that he deserves to suffer. Okay, so the rule in this case would be, if I did bad things, then I deserve to suffer forever because remember he kept beating himself up forever right um the report was i did bad things and the conclusion is therefore i deserve to suffer forever now um we could identify uh, a fallacy in that reasoning but we don't really have to we could just refute a faulty step in the reasoning for example we could refute the rule the rule says if I did bad things, then I deserve to suffer forever. And when I was talking to him, I said, okay, suppose that someone commits a crime. Like, let's say they steal something. Do you want that person to be punished forever? Like for all eternity? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, well, because the punishment should fit the crime, right? Um, so in other words, the, the punishment should be proportional to the crime. And uh, well, that that shows this rule can't possibly be correct, because it, um, if you did bad things, then that doesn't mean you should suffer forever. You should only suffer uh, as much as you deserve, right? not forever. OK, um, now we could go with step four. Um, uh, but we can also just step, skip to step five, adopt a philosophy to counteract the faulty step. Um, so the, the, uh, rule again is if I did bad things, then I deserve to suffer forever. And we saw that this rule is flawed. So what's a philosophical view or theory that you could adopt to counteract, um, 
this rule, to act as an antidote to this rule? Well, um, in this case, it could be proportionality, right? The, the, the idea that the punishment should fit the crime. The punishment should be proportional to the crime. Uh, by adopting this uh, philosophy, you can counteract this rule. Okay, so the idea is that whenever you find yourself thinking, oh, I, you know, whenever you find yourself, you're beating yourself up over things you did in the past, uh, you want to ask yourself, okay, have I already suffered enough? <laughs> Do I still deserve to suffer? Or maybe have I suffered enough and, and beating myself up more would be uh, disproportionate? And finally, make a make a plan of action. So, in this case, if the if the philosophy is proportionality, then the plan might be step one: notice when you feel guilty about a past action. Step two: ask yourself how much a stranger would deserve to suffer for that action. So, I know you might beat yourself up forever because of it, but how much? Like, if it was some other person, a stranger. How much would you want them to suffer for that action? Then third, ask yourself whether you've already suffered that much because of your guilt, right? You've been beating yourself up all this time. Have you already suffered that amount? And step four, if you have already suffered that amount, then tell yourself that you don't need to suffer anymore. Okay, so that's just, you know, one example of a plan of action for putting this philosophical antidote into action. Okay, so uh, before we get to the Q and A, um, I would like to see if um, anyone wants to volunteer uh, to kind of uh, so that I can I can walk through um, this process with them, kind of show show you how it's done. Now, um, in order to volunteer, you need to have in mind a specific emotion that you struggle with. Now. Um, it can be related to politics or not. That's up to you. Um, the The examples I've given so far aren't haven't been related to politics. It, it, um, your example can be political, or it, it doesn't have to be. Um, and uh, it needs to be something that you would be willing to discuss in front of an audience. I mean, normally, normally, uh, if I were to do LBT with a client, it would be. 100% confidential, right? You, uh, I, I'm not supposed to do this, you know, in public, but for the purposes of this presentation, um, you'll be doing this in front of an audience. So um, does anyone want to volunteer? Rich, are we getting any, are we getting any volunteers? I, I, I like the socialism idea. But sorry, this is Brian. Oh, Brian, hello. You like the stoicism? You mean? You mean? Right. I didn't fully comprehend what you were saying, but the the term caught my my attention. Yeah, but yeah. I'll, oh, go ahead. So that would be somebody kind of festering in your thoughts or something. Is it kind of my interpretation? Oh wait, sorry. Uh, what are you? Are you talking are you about stoicism? Yeah, when it get displaced into something else or something. Well, no, might... no, oh, okay. I think you must. So, so stoicism is a philosophy that says you should separate what you can control 
from what you can't. I got you. you should so, focus so, only on the things you can control. Fallacy by guilty association, association right? No, similar. Um, when you come to a conclusion, because this person is doing that, they are responsible for this. Is that it? Um, no. So that would be a fallacy. Actually, stoicism here is not supposed to be a fallacy. It's it's okay. a it's a it's something you can use to counteract certain fallacies. The stoicism was to be the logic reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, um, I just separating what you can control from what you can't. Yes. Yeah. So let's say that you are you tend to be a perfectionist and you tend to get really frustrated if things aren't perfect, right? Well, one thing you could do is separate in your mind, okay, what are the things I can control and what are the things I can't control? And then, and then kind of train yourself to only worry about the things you can control. And that way you don't, uh, yeah. So, example, um, I would, as a janitor, I would control all my products and cleaning supplies, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but you know, if, if some, if, if someone other than you makes a mess somewhere, right. It's not worth getting, getting upset about this. So I, I'm, I'm now seeing some volunteers. So Jerry's raising his hand. Uh, Tomiko, uh, sent me a direct message with an idea for something to discuss. Cassandra says in the chat that, uh, that there is a, uh, some thoughts on this. So I, uh, Tomiko got a message in first uh i i know you i noticed you sent this as a direct message tomiko do you want to actually uh discuss this out loud or not sure. no problem okay tomiko so welcome um so you say that uh, one emotion you struggle with is guilt about a divorce okay? yeah um okay so let's let's go back to our our steps here so uh, the first step is to identify your emotional reason. Well, in in your case, the emotion is guilt, and um, the object of that guilt, what the thing the guilt is about, is obviously the divorce, right? And how do you feel in response to the divorce? So you say you feel guilty, but what do, do you feel certain ways about yourself? Do you feel certain ways about uh, how would you describe what you feel? I feel the effects on my children. Ah, and, and you feel, oh, so really, actually, I think the object is the effects of the divorce on your children. That's what you feel guilt about. Yeah. And, and do you, does it make you feel, how, how does it make you feel when you look at the, those effects on your children? I feel guilty still. Um, are you asking for the R? Yeah. So what's your reaction? So you said you feel guilty. So do you, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I suspect you don't feel that you're worthless, right? So how, how would you no. describe how you feel about yourself? I feel I shouldn't have done it. Okay. Um, so you they're feel, suffering for my divorce. Okay. So you're kind of condemning yourself for, for kind of doing what you feel was bad for your children. Right. Okay. So the object is the effects of the divorce on your children. And the reaction is um is kind of uh self-blame or or um or uh feeling that you've done something wrong right divorce is bad 
Well, okay. So the so in this case, your emotional reasoning would be if my divorce had bad effects on my children, then I did something bad. Okay. The report is my divorce had bad effects on my children. And the conclusion is, therefore, I did something bad. Okay, so the next thing we're going to do is we're going to see if we can question either the rule or the report. Okay. Um, now, <clears throat> we could try to look for a fallacy that you're committing, but Let's just look directly at the rule and the report and see if we can find a flaw. So the report is my divorce had a bad effect on my children. Now, now, is that really true? So why do you think the divorce had a bad effect on your children? Uh, they didn't have a male role model. Oh, okay. Growing up. But did, does, has it actually, I mean, yes, um, it is good if children have a, have a male role model, but did, um, have you, like, have you actually noticed any any bad effects on them uh, as a result of the divorce? Um, like, do they have? Did they end up having any behavioral problems or any? Or yes, they... yes, two of them did. One of them did not because she was only two years old when we divorced. So two of them had a bad result. One was extreme anger, and the other one was acting out. Okay. Um, did they tell you that it was because of the divorce? Tell me that. No, I figured I reasoned that. I I gave the anger. Um, I ascribed it to the divorce, and the acting out I ascribed to the divorce. Okay. Well, um, I I would say that uh, I mean. Uh, okay, so I, I'm I'm a philosopher. I'm not I'm not actually like a marriage and family therapist, or psychologist, <laughs> oh, or anything. Yeah. So you would probably want to see someone like that to really decide whether it was really because of the divorce. Um, I would say though that you might be a little too quick to assume that those problems your children had were because of the divorce. You know, I I grew up with a a very stable, uh, pretty happy two, two parent um household uh and but i had massive depression um throughout uh a lot of my um a lot of my youth and so you know uh you know as as scientists sometimes say um post hoc uh uh Ergo propter hoc is a foul. So in, in other words, just because one thing happens after another doesn't mean that they the first caused the second, right? So just because your children had emotional issues after a divorce doesn't mean the divorce caused it, right? Um, uh, plenty of people can have an emotion, have emotional problems without uh, their parents getting divorced. Um, so that's one thing I would say about the the report. Now, as for the rule, um, if my if my divorce had a bad effect on my children, then I did something bad. Yeah. Well, what? Why did you get divorced? Um. Uh, domestic violence. Okay. Uh, do you think that being in, in an environment of domestic violence would be good for your kids? Uh. 
No. Okay. So, um, I mean, there's, there's obviously a problem with this rule because you're saying if, if the divorce had a negative effect, then I did something bad, but who knows? I mean, it's quite possible that not getting the divorce would have had an even bigger negative effect. Right. Um, so especially if there was domestic violence in the picture. So, um, I'd say it's, it's, it doesn't really make sense to, um, that, that rule doesn't really make sense. Do, do, do you, would you agree with me? Yes, because I actually did something good about the reason for the divorce. Oh, okay. What's that? I left him. <laughs> okay. Go, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so right there, I, I mean, if, if you were in a situation of domestic violence, then, then I think it's reasonable to suspect that the it would have turned out even worse for the kids if you hadn't gotten out. So yeah. I, I think um, so you can't really say that you did something bad. Now, me just telling you that, of course, isn't going to automatically make the guilt go away. Right. But mm -hmm. by but by reminding yourself every, whenever you feel, start feeling guilty about this, by reminding yourself uh, of your emotional reasoning and then reminding yourself why the rule is flawed that can kind of that can kind of help diffuse the guilt i think um yeah because i it really when taking in all the um accounts the reason that the it was a good thing that i got a divorce yeah, yeah. So, so I think um, a plan of action for you. We we can actually skip the guiding virtue and even the philosophy. Uh, I think a a good plan of action for you would be to really be more um, empirical with your judgments. I mean, look at all the facts before making a judgment. So it seems like when you feel guilty about the divorce, you're you're looking at only some of the facts. You're looking at how the divorce might have negatively affected your kids, but you're not looking at other facts, like the fact that it, you know, the domestic violence uh, could have had a very negative effect on your kids as well. True. And he was an angry man. Yes. Okay. Okay. So there's quite a few reasons why if I didn't divorce, um, if I didn't divorce, there's quite a few reasons why it's better to divorce right actually. right right yeah yeah so so just think about that just think about that whenever you feel tempted to beat yourself up um okay now um so that's just a very quick model of how this works uh in real time Fox News will not allow the use of footage of the first debate. As a service to America, the Lincoln Project presents this pre-enactment. This pre-enactment is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to actual persons living or dead or actual events is purely coincidental. In this first presidential debate for the 2024 nomination, we're proud to welcome Donald Trump, Chris Christie, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, and uh, two other guys. Let me tell you, I'm glad to see the moderators are hot. Even Brett, who hasn't always been so nice to me, but he needs the work. But we love hot. With me as president, we will make women hot again. Make America hot again. This is more just disgusting drivel from someone who's clearly unqualified to be president. And I think I speak for the rest of the candidates up here when I say I'm ready to drop out and endorse you again. Do you mind if I stay here for the rest of the night? Do whatever you want. I'm not going to make fun of your body tonight. 
That's because it's not your body anymore. It's mine. I own you. Slavery style. Remember slavery? We're bringing it back, baby. And this time it's not just for the blacks. That is an outrageous statement that I absolutely disagree with and also will deny ever hearing four months from now when I endorse you and say you're the most honorable person I've ever met. Thank you so much for your support, Nina. It's Nikki. Hmm? No, I think it's Nina. You said Nina. You really don't remember me, sir? Every time you said something terrible, I cleaned up your sh And we're back. Let's hear from some of the other weirdos up there. And believe me, I know weirdos. I work at Fox News. There's been a lot of talk recently about January 6th. Having barely survived January 6th, I know firsthand that January 6th never happened. Good boy. Can I get in here? I'd like to say woke, 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 will woke, woke. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, it is. Anyone want to offer a rebuttal? Well, what about woke, 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 woke? Is that a Muslim? Governor DeSantis, your response. Woke, 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 I am enough. Woke, woke, woke. And that concludes this first Fox News GOP primary debate. I didn't get to go. That mother is not real.